Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Abbott, and it's the first of the month. It's our teaching podcast, and I always enjoy getting to come here and just speak a little bit more with you about what's going on in our verse. I want to give you some tools so that you can really understand where it's coming from in scripture and how it fits into the bigger picture. So that way, when you think about this verse as you're memorizing and meditating on it, you'll do so in a way that does it justice, that really is understanding what this verse is all about. So without further ado, our verse this month comes from James 1.22. It says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Okay. (laughs) I think this verse is a little bit of a kick in the pants. Let's be honest. Uh, I know for me it is. I have a tendency to to know the Bible really well, to listen to the word, but to merely listen. Um, and like this verse says, so deceive myself because I'm not actually doing what it says. I can know all of the things um, that we're going to talk about today. We, I, can, I can know the context. I can understand uh, its, its intent in scripture and yet miss out on actually applying it to my own life. And that is really kind of the crux of the book of James. It's it's a book that really is instructive. It's it's a letter that James, uh, Jesus's brother, wrote to the Jewish believers who were scattered abroad. Um, and it feels very much like, like a sermon in some ways. Um, it's a little bit generalized. It's not as personal as some letters we would get. Um, and it's not written to a particular congregation, but to a whole group of people. And it really is this book on practical living. Do not just listen to the word, but live it out, live it out in these ways. Um, and so we're going to look at this book uh, just for a second. Um, we're going to spend about 20 minutes here and we're going to understand it hopefully, and then broaden our understanding and deepen our understanding of what this verse means in its context and, and why it matters. Um, so you'll find if you go through and read the book of James, which I would encourage you to do, it's just five short chapters that it really kind of reads like uh, wisdom literature in some places. There are all these like sayings, sayings that kind of sound like Jesus's sayings or sayings that sound like a proverb. You'll hear things like peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness or humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Or do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So it really is this book of wise ways for living. And I think I think part of the reason that we get all of these wisdom concepts in the book, sometimes presented in these kind of proverbial ways, is because people had fallen into bad patterns. And we'll go through and kind of see some of those patterns. And so what James does is he gives us this practical letter of obedience. What does it look like to follow God's word? What does it look like to not only listen to the word of God and so deceive ourselves, but to actually do what it says. So this book is kind of interesting because it it presents itself like a sandwich almost. Um, And so the bread that we get on either end is this, um, 
these trials and temptations that that James refers to, that these people are going through trials and temptations. We're going to have those trials and, re- and temptations. And there are really two responses for us. Um, then you get the meat, which is the heart of, I believe, the teaching in the book, which says how you live your life matters. You should live like what you say you believe is actually what you believe and therefore you live it out. So that's kind of the meat and that's where we get our verse. And then there's there's all these um let's call them condiments. They're they're the the pickles and the lettuce and the tomatoes and the mayo and and the jalapenos if you put those on your sandwiches. These are the practical things that um James brings up as specific struggles that these people, these these Jewish believers who are living outside of Israel are struggling with. Um, so, so let's look at the bread first. Uh, that's that, that's this uh, response that we can have to trials and temptations. So you get this alluded to at the beginning of the book, and then again at the end of the book, at the very end. Um, so the trials, you have two ways that you can respond. The first way, very beginning, chapter one, verse two. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let that perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So trials can produce faith, this testing of your faith, and and that response produces perseverance. And then that perseverance leads to maturity. So when you are obedient and persevere through trials, you have this resulting mature faith. Now, the other thing that can happen is what it talks about in verses 14 and 15, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. So you see this progression in both of those instances, the the testing of your faith that, that results in obedience and perseverance and leads to mature faith. That's one way. And the other one is this temptation that leads to desire, our own evil desires, and that conceives sin and gives birth to death. So those are kind of our two paths that that James lays out for his, for his listeners, his original audience. And then again, at the end of the book, he refers back to them and he says, you know, you should be patient in the face of suffering. And as you know, that those who persevere are blessed, he says in verse 11. And then he refers again at the very end, the last two verses of the of the book say, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Again, you get this idea of persevere, be mature. When you persevere, there is blessing for you. When you don't, there is death. And when somebody fails in this, and we all fail in this, bring them back in. And that will cover a multitude of sins, it says in verse 20. So that's that's our two kind of pieces of bread. That's, that's sandwiches in all the other things. So you have these two ways of life, of facing trials, and we all face trials and, and temptations. You either go the way of life, which means obedience, or the way of death. Um, and so that brings us to the meat 
of our passage. That if that's the bread, then the meat of our passage is this the heart of our teaching that how we live our life matters and that is where we find our verse so if our faith is really real it's gonna take action so here what um, god's word says starting in verse 22 of james chapter 1 where we find our verse do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So when we read God's word, it should result not just in hearing it and forgetting it, like we look in a mirror and we forget what we look like, which I think is this really hilarious and and honestly kind of cutting example of, of sometimes what we do when we read God's word and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, we shouldn't do that. And then we turn around and we do it, right? We, we, we do the thing that we know we're not supposed to do, or we don't do the thing that we know that we ought to do. We instead should remember what we see when we look into the looking glass of God's word and how it exposes us for who we really are. It reveals who we are, like looking in the mirror. When we see those blemishes, when we see those places where we're falling short, instead of going away and forgetting what we look like, we should say, no, I'm going to make a change. Um, it, it reminds me of that Michael Jackson song. I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like that is what God's word is supposed to do for us. It should make a change in our lives. It should create something new and different. Uh, we should be doing what it says. Now, before we go any further, I just want to point out that there are two traps that we can fall into with a verse like this. Um, there are two misunderstandings. And the first one is, is what this verse might say if it weren't for all of the rest of scripture. This verse might lead us to believe that how we are saved is by earning it ourselves. That somehow when we do the good things that we read in God's word, that we ought to do, that we know we ought to do, that is how we are saved. But everything else in scripture, thankfully, praise be to God, tells us otherwise. In fact, it says in Ephesians 2.8, it is for grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So how we begin our relationship with God is, is being saved through faith. And we, for the rest of our, our Christian life and for life forever, we are reliant on God's grace in our lives. Now, um, the other thing that we can, the other trap that we can fall into is this idea, well, if grace is what saves me, then I guess I can just sin as much as I want, right? Um, and, and this is actually 
the lie that James is working against here. This is why he's pointing out to these people like, hey, if you really believe what you say you believe, it needs to change your life, right? It matters how you live. So that's that's the other kind of end of the, of the spectrum, the, the other trap that you can fall into is that grace is a license to live however you want. Um, and Paul tackles this in Romans uh, chapter six. In verse 15, it starts out like this. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means, he says. Do you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slave, you are a slave to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, right? Like we talked about in the beginning of this book, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. These are your two choices. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. For the wages of sin is death. So what you earn from what you do, which is always going to have sin in it, is death. But the thing which you don't earn, the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So grace is not a license to sin. Um, and, and what we earn is, is never anything. We cannot earn anything other than the wages of our sin. We don't have a righteousness in and of ourselves. It is a gift of God, um, and that is what leads to eternal life. So our faith, what James is saying here, should lead to a change in our behavior. We should not be like what Paul is fighting against here, those who sin, because grace is going to increase all the more, right? We should go ahead and just keep on sinning. It doesn't matter. God's grace is going to cover all my sin. Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus himself says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. So we obey because we love Jesus. We want to do what is pleasing to him, not because it's going to earn his favor or his love. He has given that to us freely. We do it because we love him. Um, and so finally, that gets us to the condiments, right? This is the tomatoes and the lettuce and all the other, all the other fixings, right? This is the the practical things that Paul says to these people. He kind of he kind of breaks it all down for them and says, "Here's where you need some work." He says, "Stop being impartial. Start controlling your tongue. Stop fighting and quarreling because you're doing that because you want other people's stuff. You are coveting." other people's stuff. He says, if you are a friend of the world, then you are an enemy of God. Uh, stop boasting about what you're going to do and how much money you're going to make and all that stuff because you don't have control over any of that. And he finally, he warns the rich to stop living a self-indulgent and luxurious lifestyle. So those are some of the things, the, the, the rubber meets the road kind of practical things that the people of God are struggling with. And, and, and this is where James is saying to them, when you read these things in God's law, you should do them. Stop being impartial. In fact, he quotes a lot of Old Testament scripture in that part of, of the letter, in those parts of the letter where he's giving these specific instructions. He's saying, remember reading this? Don't do that. <laughs> remember reading that? 
stop doing that, right? Um, So realistically, that is where this teaching leaves us. And this idea at the very end, which I think is really beautiful, and I'm going to read it to you again. Um, it's, it's this idea of we are going to all fail at this, right? And this is, these are the two verses that James leaves them with. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. There is just this recognition here that we are going to wander off. And when we wander off, as a group, as a community, as a people who are doing this together, who are trying to live well together, who aren't showing favoritism, who, who are being gracious and patient with one another, who are enduring trials together, that we would give grace to one another, that we would run after that person in our life who is wandering away from the Lord. And so that's where I want to leave you today with this idea that uh, as much as we are called to not only listen to the word and so lie to ourselves, but to do what it says that ultimately there is always grace for us. There is grace for the sinner. There is joy for us. There is this longing that God has for us to be brought back into the fold. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repenting. That is what Jesus says, that that this is the message for us, is that when we are ignoring the word, when we are deceiving ourselves, when we are not doing what it says, there is grace for us. That's why this verse is here, because we need to hear it. Sometimes we need this kick in the pants, but we don't need this kick in the pants in this kind of uh, a judgmental, lording it over you kind of way, because there's this recognition that we are going to wander, that we are going to stray, and that there is there is rejoicing in heaven when we are brought back in. And, and that's why we should be in community with one another, that we can be living our lives together, that we can be holding each other accountable, that uh, we can be saying things. Uh, we can be calling each other out when we need to be called out. Gosh, I know I need to be called out all the time. And that is why we live in community with other believers, because that is the joy and the benefit of Christian community. And this, this letter was written to a community of believers. So would we be that kind of community? Would you find that kind of community? Um, and if you're looking for a church, there is a, a article that we wrote a while back about how to find a good church. I would just encourage you that um, do not let verses like this bludgeon you, um, but instead let them convict your heart and let that that be in community with other believers who can encourage you, who can lift you up, who can call you back, um, who you can call back uh, when, when we stray, because we all do. So thank you so much for joining with me today. I just appreciate you so much. And again, if you're feeling the spanking of this verse like I am, there is grace for us in it. And, and sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need a little spanking. And that's why we chose this verse this month. And I hope that it brings us to a place of repentance 
and of restoration, which is God's heart for us as his people. So thanks so much, guys. I look forward to joining you again next week with our special guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, friends. I have a little public service announcement for you. If you have never been to our website, dwelldifferently.com, you should go over there because we have all kinds of devotional resources there for you. We would just love for you to visit over there. We have year upon year upon year of verses that we have been memorizing. Every month we memorize one new verse. Every month we post at least four devotionals on that verse. So if you're thinking, I'd like to memorize a couple more verses or another verse every month, then that's a great way to do it. So go on over to dwelldifferently.com and check out all of our old resource content. Just go to the devotional page and you can find all kinds of stuff there. It's free and we just would love to help you connect with God in that way.